Just a warning up front that this podcast will be explicit in using clips from a TV show that's intended for mature audiences. Save up those beer can tabs and get ready to learn some public speaking. Bop, bop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Plus Podcasts. I'm your host, D.L. McDonald, and I'm so pleased to bring to you this specific show where I'll be talking about what would Sal do. You're probably saying to yourself right now, oh, what? I've never heard of the show before. That's exactly why I'm bringing it to you now. If you're a fan of comedy, you need to know of this show. It's a one-season show with eight episodes that went through distribution hell. And that's a big reason why you may have missed it. I only knew of it by name because I had seen it listed on the OMDC website back in 2015 while searching for shows to submit to. It wasn't until 2018, while working with Dio Horn, did I hear someone speaking about it. I had to look it up, and I was so happy I did. And now I'm determined to do the same for you all. Let's dive in. What Would Sal Do is a half-hour comedy created by Andrew DeAngelis. It's the story of Sal, a do-nothing 30-year-old in Sudbury, living with his single mother, who has just told him that he's the second coming of Christ. All right, this is going to be um, hard to hear, even harder to understand. But I've never lied to you, right? Right? Oh, you're freaking me out here. Just answer the question. Have I ever lied to you? No. No, you have never, ever lied to me. Good. Good. Because when I got pregnant with you, I was a virgin. That sucks. No, I mean, I never had sex with anyone. Ever. I was a virgin, and then I was a pregnant virgin. So what are you saying? Sal, you are the second coming. Of what? Along with his friend Vince, Sal begins to do what he believes are good deeds which he does at the behest of both his mother and his priest. You gotta save the world, Sal. Oh, I gotta save the world, huh? How, Ma? By doing good deeds and getting followers. You're serious? I know helping people has never been your strong suit. What? How about, uh... Nikki Garcia. Are you kidding me? I helped that kid lose over 100 pounds, Ma, okay? I had to be on him, too, every single day about what a fat fuck he was until he lost that weight. The kid shot himself at prom, Sal. What, do you think I had something to do with that? The show takes a heartwarming story of a man who does want to be a better person, not just for himself, but to make his mother proud, and blends it with some of the raunchiest comedy you'll ever hear. These guys were not afraid to say the stuff that most people would only think. Sometimes even stuff no one would ever dare think. 
You don't think I uh, had anything to do with Nicky Garcia shooting himself, do you? Wait, name gave him a no. That's fucking news to me, bro. Let's chat about the characters. We must, of course, first discuss Sal Camelucci, the small-time criminal who's been dealing with the thought that he might be the second coming. He's played brilliantly by Dylan Taylor, who takes control of the show right away. He feels he's always been the victim of circumstance, and that anything that bad that he's ever done was misinterpreted righteousness. Oh, you don't believe it, though, do you, Vince? No. You? Fuck no. I mean, come on. You really think the second coming of Christ was second coming Sudbury of all places? Yeah, I would have thought maybe Paris, maybe uh, Tokyo. NYC, bro. Yeah. The multi-talented Jennifer Dale appears as Sal's doting mother, Maria. Get it? Virgin Mary, Maria? Jennifer has a wonderful turn in this series as a woman who wants to reclaim her sense of self and sexuality. After being estranged from her then-boyfriend for becoming pregnant with Sal, she tries to reignite her passions with him despite that he's been married to her sister for years. Jennifer was even nominated for a CSA for her efforts. What's wrong, Mom? I did something. Well, there's no dinner. Laundry's not done what? I masturbated myself. Oh, God. I was in the bath, and my fingers... Yeah, okay, okay. Why Why would you Why are you tell me this, Ma? Because I need you to know. No. Look, I, I'm your son, okay? There's boundaries in it, you know? No, you're right. You're, you're right. But the point is, here I am, telling you to be perfect, and meanwhile, I stick my fingers... Oh, okay. Right. Night. Thank you. I never want you to think less of me. Less of you? I can never think less of you, Ma. Listen, nobody's perfect, okay? I mean, fuck, look at me the other day at church. I, I, I embarrassed you. I embarrassed myself. That was Father Luke's fault. He pushed you. You weren't ready. Yeah, I know. It's easy to, you know, blame others and point fingers. But in this case, it was 100% Father Luke's fault. Another CSA-nominated role was that of Sal's best friend, Vince, played by Ryan McDonald. Vince is Sal's first follower and is excited to be there to help make miracles happen. All the while, being nervous that he might actually be the Judas. Man, of you, Jesus, I am not Judas. What'd you just say? Said like if there's a Judas in the story, and that's not me. Yeah, but if you don't believe this, why would you even say that? I'm not. I'm, you're I, making me very uncomfortable. I'm. Just, I'm so. I don't believe it. I'm just saying that if you're the second coming, first of all, I don't think you got anything to worry about. No, I'm a stud. Except Judas. Guiding Sal and pushing him in the direction he sees fit is Father Luke, played by Kids alum. Scott Thompson. Father Luke is hoping to use Sal's new journey as a way to boost interest and funds to his failing parish. Sal is not exactly Hollywood Jesus, but the Bible isn't a manual, okay? This isn't science. This is real. But what about the glory? Well, we have to prepare him for the glory. That's where the good deeds come in. So that when the glory finally arrives, he and everybody that he has helped We'll finally see it and know it. Easier said. Yeah, Maria, please. 
You can't have doubts now, not you. You're the virgin mother. You really believe that the world is going to buy this? Of course they are. The world is constantly seeing Jesus in, in toast and water stains. Rounding out our main cast is Gannett Dio Horn, as Sal's love interest, Nicole. She's a sex worker at a local massage parlor who Sal refuses to ever be serviced by, despite being a frequent patron of this establishment. Do you even have a job? No, not really. I'm homeless. Me? I'm an entrepreneur. So no? Why even ask me out if you can't pay for it? Don't flatter yourself. I wasn't asking you out. I was just telling you about this wicked sandwich I had. But if you did want to go out... I don't go with clients. Yeah, but I'm not your client. Yeah, no shit. Who the fuck brings a homeless guy to a rub and tug? Oh, he says it has something to do with his mother. Hey, that was private. Ooh, so he's a weirdo. But she's begun to date Sal's nemesis, a lawyer that Sal knew in school, and who even once represented him, landing him in jail. Played by Scott Cavaliero. Um, events from my school. Yeah, he was with me. Oh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He ended up getting charged for police evasion and indecent exposure because he was running down the street with his dick flopping out. But he's okay. Classic Vince yeah. charges. He's in. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about the case? You remember Nikki Garcia? Yeah. You don't think I had anything to do with what happened to him, do you? You? Yeah. No. No. Absolutely not. Okay. I mean, he did, but I didn't. But how do you know that? <laughs> he was wearing her football jersey. Oh, fuck off. He... Yeah. <sighs> Two more cast members of the show were Sal's aunt and uncle. Robin Brule as Maria's sister Lena, and her husband Joe, played by Jason Blicker. Hey, hey, Joe. No need to rush on account of me. Who's Russian? It's my normal cleaning pace. Something's different about you. Yeah? Yeah. Like, a weight's been lifted off your shoulders. I don't know. Well, things are good. You know, I've got these other two offices that I'm cleaning now, and just feels like things are kind of clicking into place, finally, especially with Sal. Well, you look good. May I interrupt you something? No, I was getting a sandwich. Oh, before I forget, I'm having a memorial mass for Dad on Sunday. This Sunday? Yeah. It's been 20 years since he passed. I know that, but... But what? Well, it would have been nice if I'd been... Let in on it a little sooner, you know, I could have uh, helped with the planning. I was his daughter, too, remember? Yes. He got his house, remember? The show also boasts a handful of cameos in its first and only season. Cave Trevor Wilson is a homeless man that Sal subjects to being his first good deed. What's the end game here? Do something nice for him and hopefully get my mom to stop crying. Can I help you guys? Yeah. Yeah, my friend and I will mostly meet if I'm being honest. We, um, we want to buy you lunch. Now? No, sometime you're not busy at work. You got money? Fucking homeless guy's asking me if I got money. Yeah, I got fucking money. All right. What the fuck, bro? I'm sorry, did you say breakfast or lunch? What's the difference? Lunch is a blowjob and breakfast is a handy with once around the rim. Once. What's dinner? Fits. Full service. Let's stick with lunch. You're the boss. I just want to buy you lunch, bro, okay? Like a real lunch. 
Stop being a fag. Get your dick out. No, no, no. No, no. Come on. She's on me anywhere. No. Paula Brancati runs the massage parlor. Been a while since I've been here. They all look like they're getting tested. So. Why don't you just shut the fuck up and get your job, Benson? Do you believe I've ever been to a rub and tug before? I mean, you smell like shit. You don't have a home, so of course I would. Fair enough. Sean Cullen is the bishop who oversees Father Luke's parish. Yeah, things have been tough. I'm not going to lie. Well, you don't have to. I've seen your balance sheets. <laughs> well, you know, the uh, community is becoming increasingly diverse. Can be very difficult to get people through that door. People are people, and they will always need the Lord. True. Priya Rajaratnam as the parish's accountant. I finished calculating the sales from the church bazaar. Church bazaar. That's what I said. No, you didn't. You said bizarre. Listen closely. Bizarre, 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 bizarre. You're saying the same word. Okay. So how do we do financially? I think you actually lost money. Oh. We can talk about this later, okay? And even Corner Gas's Eric Peterson appears as Vince's uncle. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Oh, shit. I didn't mean to. He's a sensitive guy, that Vince. Yeah, I know. He's a good guy, too. Yeah, he is. He's just such a pussy, you know? Now, believe me when I say there's so little information out there written about this show. It's not surprising. So I did my best to fill you in with as much as I could. But of course, someone must know. It takes so many people to make a show happen that surely there's someone out there that I can talk to about this. That's why I went right to the source. Let's chat now with the man who created it all, Andrew DeAngelis. Hey, hey. How are you? How's it? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Great. Yeah, this is awesome. I love it. I'm pumped for this. This show is so good. Oh, thank you. I'm sad not many people know of it. <laughs> yeah, me, man. You think you're sad? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> well, let's drop some knowledge. How long were you kicking this idea around in your head for? The by the time we went into production with it, um, or. Even when we got it into development, it had been seven years that I had been kicking the idea around. So I first came up with the idea when I was at the film center. Um, and I remember just, yeah, thinking about it then. And then I met Mark Montefiore, like early days. And he was just said, hey, any ideas that you have, send them my way. I'd love to read them. So I sent him that. And and he really liked it. And And so from then we started just kind of developing it a bit and kicking around ideas refining it and then we we were like well let's let's pitch it let's why let's give it a shot even though we knew that the chances of this show getting made were slim i mean in general right it's it's not it's not good odds but with this show uh we we were like no one's really the odds of any of putting this on the air are slim to none. but we pitched it and sure enough everybody said no <laughs> so uh, you know, we still kind of thought about it, looked at it. We we thought, okay, can we can we change it? Can we do it in a way that what if we take that whole second coming element out of it? And it's just a guy, and he's just trying to be a good person. And and we thought about that a lot. And, and I always thought the show was more like the second coming thing was just the hook. It was more than that. Um, the problem was that I was still 
just breaking into the industry. Mark was too. And it's really hard to sell a show without some kind of hook, without something interesting. So we thought, let's just stick with it. Um, then Mark was, he had the idea to take it to the, the NSI, the National Screen Institute. They had this writer's boot camp thing where you get to workshop it and talk to people in the industry. So we did that. Um, and it was great. It was fun, uh, but not much came out of it. Then um, the, the woman who was in charge of the NSI when we were there, at, at some point in this, she left the NSI to go work at Super Channel. So after the whole NSI thing was done, I think it was a year or two after that, Mark was at, I believe it was a TIFF party, and he ran into her. Her name is Melissa Capist. And they were just chatting, and she said, yeah, I'm over at Super Channel now. And then she asked him, whatever happened to what would Sal do? And he said, nothing, it's still available. And she said, well, let's put it into development. So that, that's how we got it into development at Super Channel. And the development went really, really, it was strange and very unusual for Canada. It, this was, I think it was like late, yeah, late august or early september when this happened and then they you know they're like okay we're going to start working out the deal what it's going to be this many scripts and that by the time they got to just finishing it up super channel said you know what why don't we just go ahead and let's just do this let's green light this mm -hmm. so i didn't even really get into development it went right to the green light stage and uh and yeah so that was in we started writing it in 20 2015 Wow. I was uh, yeah. Sorry, you're saying? Yeah, we started it was January January 2015. Uh, was it always supposed to be set in Sudbury? It yeah. wasn't. <laughs> it was going to be set originally in Toronto, and I did want it to be set in the Canadian city. I, I didn't I didn't want to hide it. Um because when we were doing when we were writing it, it was still at the time the thing was always to when you're making a Canadian show, just to set it in a nondescript city in North America. And I hated that. Yeah. So I wanted to set in Toronto and then we were going to shoot in Sudbury. We, we realized. So we went on a location scout and we were looking at places that we thought, you know, what could we shoot for Toronto? Look for Toronto. And then I just thought, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just keep it Sudbury because it's got, it's a cool city and it adds an element, an interesting element to the show and the whole idea. And it's funny, like Sudbury is kind of a funny place in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, the whole thing was better to do that. And it made it also just like, it made it easier because to shoot it, to shoot it, it to look like, Toronto is going to be a nightmare because you're just you're blocking yourself into a little corner of what you can really do. It definitely, yeah, it, yeah. Having it just set there and shoot there is a hundred times easier. Yeah, I loved it, and it's just and it's such a great a great city, and it made everything it made the whole thing better. Like I'm so glad that we did that. So Dylan, Ryan, Jennifer, Dio. Scott, like all the main cast are perfect, uh, but yeah. even the few like guest appearances were fantastic. Like, did you always want Eric Peterson and like Sean Cullen like to appear? And were there others that you wished you could have had participated? We never when when I wrote those, never had those those 
people in mind. Um, but it was, <laughs> man, were they, they were so awesome and it was such a great surprise because I think for both of them, it was a bit, um, I guess a little bit against type of what they usually do. Like for Eric Peterson to play that, you know, we know him from the, the man from corner gas, which is pretty tame. So I love that. And then Sean, like his thing took a bit of a little bit of a dramatic turn, which I think is also something that people don't see a lot from him. I think you should show up a little bit more loyalty so I could ruin you. Oh, yeah? yeah. Well, why don't you do it then? All right. That's just what the Catholic Church needs right now. I will. A more controversy. I'll do it. Okay, do I it. will. Will you do it? Yes. I'll do it then. Okay. You know what's going to happen? What? I'm going to get a slap on the wrist, and then they're going to send me off, relocate me to somewhere like Bam for Victoria. And you know what they do to you? They send you to some disgusting shithole, some horrible church in the middle of nowhere. There are worse places in the world than Sudbury, my friend. And I can find them for sean so that's all it was was we were just looking for some choices that were um surprising not not the usual actors in the usual roles if we could go, get away from the usual actors period that's great but then if we're going to put them let's put them somewhere where people don't expect yeah um, cast them against type yeah so, you know, our budget, our budget was small. Like we could only do so much in terms of casting and time. So, um, we just, I think we just focused on, like I said, the surprising element, the surprising choice, if we could. Yeah. Uh, I feel like people will be surprised at the amount of part that's intertwined within the stories that the characters yeah. are telling. Like, was that a goal to create such a, like a raunchy comedy, but also have it pull on the heartstrings. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I've always loved that because I just think it makes, I think it makes the comedy funnier and it allows you to get away, go further with it and maybe get away with a bit more. If you're also grounding it in a place that's real and, and heartfelt. Uh, to me, it's like that contrast allows you to go farther in both directions and surprise you it's also that's the other thing it's like once you establish that you can do that you can surprise someone and make something funny where you it's dramatic or go dramatic where you think it'd be funny mm. bop, bop. Yeah. <laughs> bop, bop. but yeah i always i love it i love those shows that do that right now all every show is like that they're all starting to blend so i love yeah. that was there a particular episode that you were most proud of or perhaps a joke where you thought like can we say this and then you just like, ah, let's do it. I think the thing that I was uh, probably most proud of is, you know, there was that joke about the pop, the, the pop tabs, right? Like mm. the pop tabs for wheelchairs. Sure, yeah. And what I love about it is like, we introduced that in the pilot. The first time we introduce it. Big difference. What are you doing? I'm making a wheelchair. How do you figure? I collect tabs for a charity that recycles them into wheelchairs. And I thought I'd make dumb decisions. Right. And then it, it came up a few times throughout. And then we paid the whole thing off in the seventh episode of that scene in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, it's funny because Vince is getting shit on. But it's also that thing where the doctor's like, it's amazing the kind of things that people will believe. 
Now, you will need to spend the next few days in a wheelchair. <laughs> At least I've been saving up tabs from tin cans for years to, so I can make a wheelchair. No, you can't trade in tabs for a wheelchair. I get that a lot. You can't do it, all right? You can. Which yeah. is exactly what Sal's going through. So I'm proud of it because it's like we introduced the stupid little joke in the first episode and waited to pay it off for seven episodes. I was like, that's great. Whether it works, whether people get it, I don't know, but I think we pulled it off. Has that always been like a point of contention for you? A pop cab, like the pop can tabs? No, yeah, like because you know, it's just one of those things where you just you just accept it. You just, oh yeah, these things are gonna collect them, it's gonna make a wheelchair. You just that's it. And and you, if you stop even for a little bit just to like think about it, it's it's like this ridiculous. And so here there's people that are saving them and collecting them and and we've been for what? Yeah, my it's father, hilarious. <laughs> my father's got a a big stein full of them. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, man. If that's what you want, I'm like <laughs> that's great. <laughs> what are you gonna do with those? It's so funny. Uh, I'm sure that the role of uh, Father Luke was written for like, this will be a named actor uh, in this role. Wow. What did that shortlist look like? Oh, um, short. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really short. And, and I remember once Scott Thompson's name came up, I remember, I think it was, I was on the phone with Mark and he said, yeah, maybe Scott Thompson. And I said, I said, yeah, I just went, yes, done. It's over. Let's give it to him. That's right, folks. He is here. But he won't look like that. For one, he won't be on a cross. So that's different. And he won't be the holy trinity of handsome, bearded, beautiful, blue-eyed. He won't be that. He might be very tall. He might even be a little bit slovenly. He might get on your nerves. He might even drink a bit. Confusing that God would choose him, really. He might be black. No, he won't be black. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that, that, that he can't be. It's just he he won't be this time. But uh, good question, though. Thank you, Mabel. Like, that was as soon as I heard that he was in the mix. I didn't need to see an audition. I didn't need anything. Um... So, um, that was, honestly, there wasn't a ton. There was not a ton. The list was very short mm -hmm. and there was some other, like, I don't want to, there were some other actors, but just, you know, didn't kind of make the cut. Scott was just perfect in every way. And again, it was something that, and Scott himself said it, it was very much against type for him. Cause he said it was the first time in his career that he had played a role that wasn't gay or had some kind of the gay agenda attached to him yeah so he's like never happened he does it so well too yeah <laughs> i want to know whose idea it was to make eric peterson describe the act of piss bombing that was me <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes i love that and that's from a guy that i knew in that's a true story I knew I met him in first year university 
I was at U of T and then I ended up transferring. So I knew him and his name, I don't want to say his name because I don't know, but he told me this, he would do it. That was his thing. And he played hockey and he'd go in the shower and he would do this and just do this piss bomb. And I remember it was the craziest story. And so there it is. That's really, someone really did that. Buddy in the army, we called the piss bomb. Oh my, I have no clue what that means, but I fucking love it. He held his foreskin shot while he pissed. His foreskin was balloon, like that thing on a frog's throat. Vocal sack. Because <laughs> he always this much fun. I know, right? Anyway, when it was at full capacity, he let it go and the piss would explode all over us. <laughs> but I had to put that in. They're just... There's just certain things that stick with you, <laughs> certain memories. And then you find out from other people, like, I, I know people <laughs> would do that. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Uh, had talks of a second season begun before you found out that it was ultimately done? Yeah. we. So the the, the process of the whole thing, we shot it in the summer of 2015. Then we, we, in September of 2015, basically Super Channel was really happy with the scripts. They were happy with what they were seeing, with the early cuts. They greenlit us for a second season. Mm. So uh, we got to go ahead to get together and write them. So second season is written and completely written. And it was written from, a, a, second season was written before the first season even aired. Wow. In like an eight episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then, and then everything went to shit and then, and then that's it. Yeah. So it, there is a second season, but it's not going to happen. What's the process of finding a writing room that matches like your voice, especially yeah. when it comes to like a first season where there's not, there's no precedent yet. What the show is. Like how do you yeah. vet? So, I mean, on, on this show, it was a little different because because the budget was small. Uh, we only had a four weeks of a writer's room, uh, and that's not a lot for the amount that we had to do. Uh, so four weeks, and I was only allowed to hire two writers and, a, and a, like a writer's assistant, and then I just had some consultants come in. So basically, all this is to say, I didn't have a lot of time, and I didn't have a lot of help. So for me, the priority was getting people that I had worked with and that I was familiar with and that we, I knew how they worked. They knew how I worked. We worked well together. We had a shorthand because I just wanted to really hit the ground running. Yeah. So for, for me and this one, that was a priority. If I had more time and money, then it would be, you know, you read, you read people's samples, you meet with them and you try and find people who are strong in every area, story, character, jokes. And, and personality too. More, I mean, sorry, personality more than anything. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long time sitting in a room. You got to like, at least be able to not fucking hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> and especially on such a crunch too, it's easy to be yeah. stressed. Yeah. And it's all, it's also like, it's a really personal job, right? Cause it's always your ideas and what you think is good, smart, funny. So you're just, con you're just constantly getting rejected, really. 
So it's uh yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't need assholes there. Or anywhere, but <laughs> Yeah, it's better if there's no assholes around, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just the world. <laughs> <laughs> and what's next for you? Oh god. I have no idea. <laughs> just well, and because I get like I don't know what the world's gonna look like for for the industry before um, before the lockdown. I was working on so here's a little sound link. You know, uh, Gert bop bop. I didn't like that pronunciation. Bop bop pronunciation. Bop bop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that's one of the writers, Kurt. Right. And he okay. created that character in the room. So he has now, uh, he has his own show that was greenlit and it'll be, well, it has, they haven't shot it yet. They're going to be shooting it, you know, as soon as this all works out, uh, it's called children ruin everything. Okay. So I, I, I was on his show. Then I went on to another show called lady dicks. That's going to be on CBC. And then the lockdown happened. So that's shut down. And so right now I'm waiting to see, if it comes back and when it comes back and, and if I'll be, if there's still money to work on it or what, I have no idea. Uh, so in the meantime, I've been trying to really just come up with pitches and ideas and write. So I don't know. I'm still figuring it out, but you know what I've been doing too, is I've been working with some, some, uh, diverse writers just to help them with their stuff. And that's been actually really cool. Wow. Yeah. Lucky for them. Well, it's been good. It's been good. Well, I, I mean, that's all the questions I have for you. Awesome. What would Sal do? Well, this was a pleasure. Thank you for your time, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. Now, anyone interested in watching the entire series, it's all available for streaming on CBC Gen. It's a free streaming app with loads of Canadian content. Please give that a download. Most of the clips used were from episode one. I didn't want to spoil the show before you all had a chance to watch it. Big thanks to Andrew for his time. Any links to his socials are in the description of the show notes. So please give us a review, a rating, and a subscription on whatever podcast streamer you use. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Pod. Thanks as always to Oliver Eckstein for cleaning up the mix. Have a great week, everyone. Bop, bop. Tigers? Tigers. Bop, bop. Bop, bop. Bop, bop. Uh, tigers. Alright, uh, I'm Vince. Um, tigers. Tigers. Um, yeah, my stepdad actually loved tigers. Yeah. And he molested me. Thanks. It's good. Holy fuck, bro. It's good.